Hello, everyone. My name is Wes Bush, the author of the book on product-led growth. And I have here none other than my favorite co-host, Ramley. And today, we are going to be breaking down how Sanhaya at Amplitude is really approaching growth and marketing as Amplitude. So I'm really excited for this episode. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of all things growth and marketing and your thoughts on it, can you just share a little bit more about your story and how you became the VP of Growth and Marketing at Amplitude? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Wes and Ramli. Really excited for this. And uh, my story is definitely interesting. So before uh, joining Amplitude, I was in venture capital investing full-time and investing in a lot of early-stage companies at Kosla Ventures. I was an investment analyst before that at Sequoia Capital, some of the best venture funds in the world. And one of the things I observed all the time was when we were trying to bet on really early-stage companies Uh, You can't really rely on financial metrics yet because they don't have enough of a history of revenue and net retention and cost of acquisition and lifetime value. Like A lot of those are still extremely unknown. So if you want to best understand, does this company have product market fit? What are the early indicators? You have to rely heavily on the customer usage metrics of their core product. And often we would work with companies that just didn't have a great understanding of that yet. They hadn't invested uh, in product intelligence. So that kind of is what got me excited about Amplitude. And I originally joined Amplitude on the product team. You know, we are building the world's first complete product intelligence platform. So anybody can understand their customer data to continue building better and better product experiences that then grow their business. And It was an amazing opportunity. I built a bunch of things that I wish I had always had as an investor or an engineer. Things like experiment analysis and account-based reporting rather than user-based reporting. Uh, I built a bunch of stuff around anomaly detection so that you don't have to manually track the features you care the most about. You just get automated alerts on this. And then kind of here's what happened next. Because a lot of this functionality was very, very new, like no one in the analytics world was really doing this, I kind of started a side project. So my side project was making videos and doing little workshops, both with our own team and with product teams across our customer base to teach them about this stuff, right? So make videos saying, hey, how should you think about experiment analysis? We'll do workshops that went into... You know, how do you think about defining your product strategy in a quantitative way? How do you use product data to inform your roadmap? And a lot of these teams had never really done those things before. They had a very qualitative approach to everything product. And what happened was all these side projects quickly became some of the most effective ways for our prospects and customers to start learning about Amplitude and falling in love with us. (laughs) So the side project slowly became my main job. And and we built our whole growth strategy at Amplitude around this idea of what the industry calls thought leadership and product education. And that's how I ended up being the head of marketing. That's amazing. I I love that whole journey that you 
just mapped out because it's always fascinating to hear how people come to these positions because it's never like this straight line. Like, you know, I just had this intention of becoming the VP of growth and marketing. Right. Right. It's like most people fell into it. That's honestly how I fell into the world of product is through demand gen. And then I launched a premium product. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. You can create demand with a free product. And it just opened my eyes to the world of product. So it's awesome to hear that backstory. So I want to dig into a little bit of this. So a bit earlier, you wrote an article on Medium in which you said that product is the new marketing. And why is that? <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I get that question a lot. And I usually say, you know, I'm just trying to be a good marketer. You have to be controversial to be a good marketer. <laughs> but that's, that's not really the truth of it. I think you know, marketing today is reinventing itself in a very big way. And you know, especially for SaaS companies, I think consumer marketing kind of started reinventing itself as social media took off. And now SaaS is kind of thinking of like, oh, what is marketing for SaaS? And nothing that has worked, you know, three years ago or, you know, even three months ago works right now, right? You have to reinvent yourself. And, you know, historically marketing was, hey, let's do this billboard on the right freeway and let's get this analyst firm to write a ROI report about us and do a survey and say, hey, the state of this industry is here because we surveyed 400 people who said X. That was SaaS marketing. And that you know, most companies are just doing that even today. And it doesn't really feel authentic anymore. I mean, it's obviously not unique or interesting. It also doesn't feel authentic. So I think our generation of software buyers and software users want to choose a product, not because some analyst firm said so, but because they want to choose the product that they really love using and will see adoption in the business and hence create the most value. So if that is how people are buying, you need to evolve marketing to make sure that you are helping people buy the way they want to buy. And that means really removing all the friction in the buying process and helping your customers see the value of the product as early and as easily as possible. So that is really the foundation of what we mean by saying, you know, product is the new marketing, like focus on your product instead of doing some of these more gimmicky things that people have done in the past when software was being sold on CDs, right? We don't really live in that world anymore. And the second thing is like the craft of marketing, right? It has gone from being very madmen. I have this like brilliant, catchy idea that everyone loves to being very scientific. And that is a much more product approach to marketing, which is having a clear, you know, practice and process of marketing, which is scalable, which is predictable, which is repeatable. You're not just like relying on one cool pun or like one message that really took off and nothing else might work. Like that's not really uh, how modern marketers approach this anymore. And that doesn't mean, you know, your brand is not important. It just means that the product is the brand. Like everything centers around the product because people want to buy the best one. Definitely. And so one of the things I always tell my clients is that onboarding starts with like that first touch point with your product, not necessarily your product, but I mean, like your first marketing asset that they ever see. It's like that first promise. I'm curious to hear 
your thoughts on that too. Like from a marketing leader's perspective, like how has your team's thoughts around the product changed for everyone? Yeah, I think the, you know, this is not just us. I think the best tech leaders in the industry today, just seeing them all echo the same thought, which is, you know, you have all these internal functions. You have marketing and product and customer success and sales. If you are in a B2B, you have all these little functions inside your company and you operate these functions separately. But for the customer, they think of all of you as like one service. They don't care that, you know, your org structure looks like X or Y. They want to have, think of every touch point as this is the experience I'm having with company X. So whether that is a social media post, an advertisement, the product demo, the onboarding flow within the product, it doesn't really matter. Or even, you know, maybe you still have a a customer representative they might call. It doesn't matter where that uh, experience lives within your company. For the customer, it's just the one experience. It's all the one experience, the one journey. So it's incredibly important that people, the leaders within the company start thinking about it like that and start collaborating because the more empathy you have for that customer experience, the more effective, the more consistent, and the better you become as a company delivering against it. And you know that is also a very big part of this idea of product-led growth, which is you no longer just kind of ship a CD and toss it over the wall for a sales team to sell. Uh, the whole experience is just one experience for your customer. So you better have an integrated approach to it and not think of this as completely different things where internally, you know, one team has no idea what the other one is doing. So for example, we have customers all the time who are like, we got this really nice bump in our usage, but we're not sure, was it because of this feature we just released or was it because like the, there was some TV ad somewhere that suddenly just drove more visits to this particular piece of content? Like we're not sure. And that is a gap within the company's organizational ability. Like the customer doesn't want you to operate that way. I'm curious about that. You're already leading towards, you know, rallying the team behind some kind of metric. What's a good North Star metrics for good product-led companies? Oh, <laughs> that you know, we have a whole book on this topic. <laughs> so if you're interested in this topic, you want to know what are good North Star metrics, what do you even call a North Star metric? Why have one? How many do you need? Uh, just search Amplitude North Star and, you know, you'll find an amazing book on the subject. We have a Kindle version coming out soon. So, you know, go search right now. But I will give you the Cliff Notes version, yeah. <laughs> which is, uh, you know, we you need to have like three really, really important criteria. And without that, you don't have a good product-led North Star. So the first one is that the metric should represent customer value, which is why uh, we always, you know, get on a soapbox and say, "Don't use DAU." You know, daily active user doesn't mean anything. Active doesn't you know, mean enough. Like they came into your product and got super frustrated by whatever they were trying to do is active, but your customer didn't get value, and you're still measuring it as a positive signal. So you have to have a more nuanced metric that actually represents the customer getting value. And that kind of brings me to the second point. It can't be revenue. Revenue is your business getting value, not your customer getting value. So it has to be a leading indicator of revenue, 
as opposed to, uh, you know, this is just the dollars we made. So for example, if Facebook's North Star was, was actually revenue and they were trying to grow their North Star, we would have so many ads on the Facebook uh, stream that people would just, you know, probably stop engaging less. So they would get a short-term bump for long-term loss. So it's really important that it's, you know, represents value for the customer. And you need to have a clear understanding of your business model that if the customer is getting value in this way and we are measuring it this way, it means our future revenue is going to increase. And then the third thing, which I think most people struggle with the most, is ideally it should represent your strategy at the time, right? So if you have a specific product strategy, Amplitude, for example, now we are uh, we offer analytics and we have some other add-on products like data management and behavioral targeting, but our unique strategy under all that, like what would make us different from any other company that you know has uh, a similar uh, functionality is that we focus on collaboration. And we believe that teams that you know collaborate and learn together are going to get so much more value out of this uh, software platform and solution. So our North Star metric incorporates this idea of collaboration as opposed to just, you know, how many individuals are using Amplitude. We actually measure units of collaboration, which is how many people are using it and sharing it and had at least two other people consume this content that they created. So it is nuanced enough that it actually measures a very unique strategy. So those are the three criteria represent value to the customer. Don't make it revenue, make it a leading indicator of future revenue and make sure it represents your actual strategy so you can measure whether it's working. So I'm all for collaboration, but <laughs> funny enough, I was talking to another product analytics solution a couple of weeks ago. And one of the biggest problems the founder mentioned to me is like, there is people who just want to hoard all the data so that they are like that important person in the organization. So they have all the power and <laughs> bring that to the table. So how do you balance that of like building a product where you want more people to collaborate and understand how their business and the product is performing. But there's people who just want to hold on to all that data so that they're like this power person. Yeah, yeah. No, I think the, you know, we learned this lesson a very, very long time ago because, uh, you know, the reason why our strategy is collaboration is because our philosophy is all about data democracy. And what we've realized is that that kind of change has to come from the top. So the reason why someone buys, you know, let's forget Amplitude for a second, but any great analytics solution, if you're buying a good analytics solution as a leader, you need to be buying it not just because you want three people to understand what's happening in the business, but because you want everybody to understand what they need to understand. And what we do is we invest very heavily in uh, product strategy workshops, growth workshops that focus not on how to use the software, but why and how to use the software, right? The why is the most important thing, which is, okay, if the pain you are trying to solve is, you know, we want our business to grow faster and we want it to grow in a very predictable way so that we can get extremely efficient as a business, why do you require data democracy, right? So if you align the leadership uh, on those fundamentals, 
it discourages bad behavior like this down the line where people are hoarding or are trying to make or you know don't believe that data will empower other teams uh, so these are like philosophical issues that you have to address way before anyone is actually implementing the analytic solution itself and so you mentioned a, a few things so far in terms of obviously collaboration as well as just what are the metrics that you need to measure in terms of making sure that the experience that your customer has feels obviously successful, but not siloed, where obviously every business has many different departments. And so the whole goal of product-led business is make sure it feels like it's not just siloed and you got to talk to support and then you got to go to this company to really figure out how you map out that customer experience. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, with your own growth and marketing team, how do you monitor the success of the users like for your campaigns specifically? Well, so I think the great thing about Amplitude is that like for us, at least in our company, everybody uses it. So it's not just that you know, we, have, we actually don't have an analytics team at all. Everyone uh, does their own analysis. We have a few specialized data scientists and analysts kind of spread across the company. And everyone uses Amplitude, right? So we pipe our uh, Salesforce data into Amplitude. We pipe like other sources of data into Amplitude. And we have more or less the complete journey in Amplitude. Our finance team finds Amplitude valuable. Like we have dog-fooded our philosophy and our hypothesis of having the entire customer journey in one place to the maximum extent possible. So what that means is whether it's a very simple a B test on a marketing page, whether it's an acquisition campaign, you can look at the downstream effect of those things like six months, eight months into the customer journey. You can say, okay, people who actually discovered amplitude in way X, as opposed to people who discovered amplitude in way Y, like a year later, did one of them have way better net retention as a cohort for amplitude than the other? Uh, and, you know, even more easier to do if you're using Amplitude as a consumer tech business. For us, we have annual renewal cycles with our customers. So there's like a, a higher time dependency for answering those questions. Uh, but we are able to, which is amazing, right? So we can, for example, say, okay, companies of this profile, the best way for them to discover and become Amplitude customers is just checking out our demo on their own. They can explore our demo, start sending us data, and they become successful. Whereas this other profile of company is less successful that way. They need guidance. They need someone to walk them through the demo, help them understand how this is different, how this is useful. Awesome. And so I would love to hear your thoughts around, like, how does Amplitude approach product-led growth? And before you dive into that, I noticed that the main call to action of the Amplitude homepage is explore demo now. So it's a really interesting thing that I, I think you're up to right now in terms of showcasing like what your product does very quickly. So I'd love to hear your thoughts around just how you approach product-led growth at Amplitude. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there are a few different elements, but let's start with that idea of the call to action first, right? So uh, unlike a lot of enterprise companies where you can't really get access to the product without talking to somebody, we just have a you know industry 
customized version of our product with dummy data to help you get as close a sense as possible to what it would feel like if you had your own data in it available for free to everybody. So you're kind of three different data sets, one for uh, music subscriptions. So if you're kind of like Spotify, this is your data set. If you're e-commerce, this is a data set. If you're a B2B business, this is your data set. So you can actually simulate kind of what it would feel like to be able to answer questions for your business model going through our demo. And you know that kind of access and this ability to just imagine what uh, life using the product, say, two months later would be like is extremely powerful. And that's the foundation of our product-led growth philosophy, which is show, not tell. Just show them what it would look like. Uh, now, having said that, that doesn't mean everybody gets the same call to action. So, for example, if we believe that you are probably from a large company and you are unlikely to, you know, get started on our free plan or be able to really, you know, send us data, maybe you are unlikely to have any uh, exposure to analytics in your previous job. You need more help. The call to action might be more schedule a demo with us so that we can walk you through this. So we actually personalize our calls to action based on that. Or if you have been visiting us repeatedly and haven't explored our demo yet, we say, okay, you clearly don't want to do this on your own. Maybe you want to really talk to someone or attend a workshop first. So the personalization kind of changes through the journey. And if I take a step back, you know, past that CTA and think about product-led growth at Amplitude, really it's kind of is probably three kind of foundational things for us when we look at how marketing is different at Amplitude than most companies. So one is what you see in the CTA, which is just get people to understand the product as easily and with the least amount of friction as possible. We have the most generous free plan you will ever find. It has like unlimited data retention, unlimited users. Uh, we're not trying to impede your experience in any way. Uh, just trying to make sure that you can get value as fast as possible. And then when it comes to our marketing, we actually treat our marketing assets as products, which means they need to do a job that helps the customers as well. So a non-star book is a great example. A lot of people find it incredibly valuable, even when they haven't even used Amplitude at all. They haven't even started down that path, but they already get a ton of value just from reading the book. So that is another big aspect of it, which is, you know, a marketing team operates like a product team with clear hypotheses and a scientific approach to how we want to grow. I love that uh, fact of just treating your marketing assets as its own product. I know even just the, the folks at ProfitWell, they, they treat it the exact same with a lot of their bigger content programs. Yeah. It's just treated like a product. I found that interesting. Now, for some of the listeners here, this is a controversial topic. They're thinking to themselves, hmm, demo dummy data, essentially. Like, should you or should you not do dummy data? Now, with a product like Amplitude, I think it's really, I don't know, interesting because most, like nine times out of 10, I always suggest to companies, don't do it because it doesn't really have that same appeal of, wow, like I understand what your product does to umpteenth degree because I saw dummy data. Whereas in Amplitude's case, I'm still mixed on <laughs> the results because it's just, okay, the time to value for a product like this 
is going to be so long. I imagine for some like even smaller companies, it might even take uh, at least a month to once you get it installed to start seeing meaningful data and different things like that. So I'm curious, how did you approach it? And how did you get to this point where you said, you know, we're going to have this demo experience where people can at least get to see and show them what the product looks like, but not quite set up their own account as the main CTA? Yeah, that's a fabulous question. And really, you know, it speaks to the fact that uh, when most people think about growth, they think about tactics, right? Oh, this tactic works for company X, this tactic works for company Y. The reality is that like there's, you can't really assume any tactic that worked for another company worked for you. You have to think about, okay, how is my customer different? How is my product different? How is the, you know, strategy we are currently trying to win with different? So what you need is a clear process to come up with the tactics that work for your business. And, you know, so the answer to your question is really in that seed around time to value that you brought up. If you think about the journey that we are taking customers on, we want to get them value as fast as possible, which if you think about it as, okay, what can you do within 60 seconds is having really sophisticated dummy data that helps them visualize what their life might look like. So then the next phase of it is, okay, if you have a week, you can start defining your taxonomy and actually sending us data, right? So that is the next call to action once you're actually in our demo. You can say, okay, I've explored the dummy data. I get what I should be doing with my own data. I get how my taxonomy should work. I get how I should implement events and behaviors versus properties for users. I get what the end result needs to be. So just exploring the dummy data itself is an investment in educating the customer in the next step, which is this is how your data should look like when you actually send it to this tool without making it an explicit tutorial. Now, people who are serious do actually go through our explicit tutorials and make sure they're sending us data that's formatted in the best way possible to get value out of the tool. But that's kind of the big job that uh, having the dummy data does for Amplitude. Now, suppose things like the taxonomy of your data set did not matter. Suppose some of these things that we know matter a lot weren't true, if we were a different type of product, then you're right. We would have said, no, the first thing we want to do is just start getting access to your data, whatever format it is in, even if it's gibberish, we'll just get it, forget about trying to like explore an artificial world. But with analytics, it's garbage in, garbage out. So you cannot push customers down the path of sending you data that is not high quality because it's a little faster. It's way better to make them understand what high quality data looks like first. Another question that a lot of product-led companies have is when should sales step in during the initial touch point? For Amplitude, is it just when people raise up their hands or are there times when the team actually steps in and becomes more proactive in in terms of reaching out? Yeah, we have a few checkpoints based on the uh, customer, right? So for example, a lot of small companies that use Amplitude use us for like 12 months before someone from the sales team will like raise their hand and say, hey, would you like to chat? Or, you know, some of them used it for three years because we don't have an explicit focus on small startups. We encourage small startups to use our free plan. We actually have a completely free scholarship plan that gives 
uh, startups that are about two years old complete access into our uh, into the same plan that uh, bigger companies are using with Amplitude right now because we want to make sure that every startup that has a shot at finding product market fit finds product market fit. We really want to invest back into that startup world. So if you're a small company, you might you know, not hear from us at all. You might be using Amplitude for a long time. And more or less, we assume that when you want access to more sophisticated uh, solutions, you want access to customer success and support, you want access to our workshops, you will actually raise your hand and say, hey, I would like to talk to sales. But if you're a very big company, we know that there are too many constraints around your team. Like you can't really send your actual data without having clear NDAs and contracts and protection in place. You know, there are things that you can't really do, especially in the world of analytics as a big company without going through this process and having a very formal relationship with a vendor like Amplitude. Uh, you might also actually want to make a decision based on a complete partnership, which is, you know, what kind of customer success service am I going to get? Uh, what kind of uh, you know workshops and thought leadership am I going to get? What's going to be the product roadmap for this company? You might be looking for way more information than a small startup is before you want to send us a single customer event. So for that profile of customer, we will encourage you to start talking to us as soon as you have uh, discovered Amplitude. And you might not have, in fact, even tried our product yet, but because it's important for you to understand why you should be investing in this in the first place, we'll reach out to you early. Interesting. And so how do you use the product to hit your marketing and growth goals? So for us, we have a few important ways we use Amplitude ourselves. And the most important one is really understanding the people who are exploring our demo. That is probably our biggest, single biggest kind of internal use case of our own product for the marketing team is really understand the people who are exploring our demo and understand what it is we can do to get them more value in that first 60 seconds in that first day. That would be our you know, most important use case. Okay. No, that's, that's super interesting. And so for your marketing team, one of the, the things that I think is going to be really interesting to the listeners is just hearing your perspective on as a marketer or someone on a marketing team, like what are going to be the up and coming skill sets that they need to start learning about in a product led company? Because I mean, we've heard probably like the T-shaped marketer, like you need to have these specific skills to be like a really sought after marketer. But whenever it comes to being a marketer in a product-led company, what do you feel like are those skills that people need to start developing to be really incredibly valuable to that organization? Yeah, yeah. That's another great question. And I'm something that I have thought a lot about as we have shaped a pretty unique marketing team at Amplitude. I think there are, you know, there's some fundamental truths around uh, good marketers. And the two most fundamental truths, which will never change, are one, uh, having a really, really good customer empathy. This is almost like I've seen it's, you know, more of like intuition and a personality than 
often a very teachable skill, which is this ability to put yourself in your customer's shoes for every decision you're making and saying, hey, would I like to be treated this way? Would I like to be approached this way? Uh, And really crafting your strategy around the audience and the customer While everyone says it, very few people actually live their life that way. So that would be one fundamental truth. And the second one we all know is definitely storytelling. Being able to uh, have a very compelling story that is engaging and resonates with the audience. And today, modern marketing does require analytical skills, right? Because we're all trying to compete for uh, attention in a very noisy market, which means you have to have a very scientific approach towards uh, marketing to be able to uh, really do something that is unique and scalable. So those are kind of some fundamental truths. And then you take that into a product-led company. And I think the biggest mistake I see people make is not living and breathing the product itself. Like It doesn't matter what your job is, maybe your product is not for marketers, but you still have to be a power user of your product to be a really great leader in a product-led marketing team so that you have a better understanding of the product than you know pretty much anyone else who is learning how to use it. That is really important. Just be an expert in the product, dog food the product, check out every new thing that the product has and understand why it matters, why the customers are going to get value out of it. I think that that would be kind of a third uh, pillar for a product-led marketing team. Uh, And if you think about more of like the product-led growth strategies we see in the market today, it all comes down to understanding what a scientific approach even looks like, right? Which means every experiment, every project needs to have a very clear hypothesis needs to have a pretty clear framework of, you know, how you're going to make a decision and what you are learning, as opposed to just kind of shipping something for the sake of shipping it. So those are kind of some of the skills that we have invested very heavily in our own team and continue to do so. Like it's all, a, you know, marathon, not a sprint. Uh, every week, every month, we have the opportunity to get better at doing these four things. Amazing. And I am so happy you mentioned customer empathy because that is one of the most common things I hear again and again of like what you really need to be successful in a product-led company. I know the folks at Ahrefs, they actually have everyone on their marketing team spend at least one day a month doing customer support. And we were just chatting with Brennan, who's the CEO of Soapbox last week. And he basically... Uh, whenever there's someone complaining or there's a bug or something like that, he really just uses the whole strategy of like hug your haters. Like he gets them on, books a meeting with them through that support request and really just helps them out however he can. So I think there's so many interesting ways that you could build that customer empathy. But whenever it comes to your team, obviously, like you could look at analytics and understand like what's going on, but how do you really? try and instill and build customer empathy within your team? There's kind of two other, I'll say three other big things we do outside of you know leveraging data, which is definitely our bread and butter. The first one is we actually do a lot of uh, real UX research. You know, For any important project, we actually have a clear research component to it to identify, okay, who is the specific customer for this part of the journey? 
often, you know, okay, here it's the user or an influencer, but not the buyer. So you want to make sure that you are designing it for the right person. And then we do the research to understand what are the jobs that they are employing this piece of marketing to uh, actually get done, right? So we use the kind of same product philosophy of jobs to be done. Like what job are you trying to make this do for you? So that research and, you know, a lot of people skimp on it. We should never skimp on it for any important project. Uh, the second one is just a lot of asking questions to people, whether it's over surveys on social media or email, just, you know, asking the audience we have, hey, what do you guys think about this? Um, which is often a very, very low-hanging fruit, easy thing to do that not uh, everyone employs and gets us immediate feedback and signal on like a idea we have that we could now develop into a more comprehensive program because we got early feedback that this was interesting and compelling to our audience. So our MVP of something might literally just be a survey. And then the third thing is we do the very, you know, less low hanging, much more heavy lift. We do a lot of workshops. So we do these workshops with our prospects and customers and like every workshop, we learn so much about what it is that they want to focus on, what it is that they will find helpful, what are their fears and hopes. You know, often like we talk about uh, pain points. The reality is when you're in category creation mode like Amplitude, there isn't an existing pain point other than just a complete absence of solutions. So there's a lot of fears and hopes that the team has around you know, if we don't solve this we don't know what will happen to this project it might get killed because we are not able to justify how this helps the business grow and there are hopes such as hey if we are all empowered with access to data uh, we would be able to make such better decisions but we are not sure where to start and doing those live field workshops ourselves uh, so that's something our product marketing team does very frequently gives us a ton of feedback and input from our customers I, I do quite a few workshops myself, and I can definitely attest to that, that if you want to learn very quickly, like what sticks, what doesn't, and how to get teams to collaborate, I honestly don't feel there is a better way to do it other than a workshop, because there's just something magical about getting a bunch of people in the room. And then whether it's talking about product strategy or anything else, you can start getting people thinking on the same page, which is so hard to do uh, any other way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, often when we end workshops, people say, oh my God, I wish we had done this like a year ago. Even if we had just gotten this group together and tried to have this conversation on our own, we would have been in a completely different place. So yeah, those are, you know, extremely valuable, both from our perspective in terms of learning what the customer's realities are and for the customers themselves. Absolutely. And so... As we wrap up, where can people find out more about you and some of your work? Uh, right now, I think the Amplitude blog, that's kind of where me and my team lives and breathes. Uh, we have a ton of amazing content for anyone who's interested in how to build great things, whether you're on product teams, growth teams, they are an analyst who's really interested in product strategy. Uh, we would you know, love for you to check out our blog, our ebooks, and let us know how we can be more helpful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, uh, Vesta and Ramli. It's been a real pleasure.